Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the platform that's transforming how market-leading sales organizations use Salesforce around the world. If you're at Dreamforce this week, I want to meet you. Come to any of my four sessions on coaching on Tuesday and Thursday, or let's plan to say hi at our VIP lounge. We're located right next to the Dreamforce Arch, and I would love to show you how Salesforce can help you become legendary for the right reasons. You can find details at xvoyant.com forward slash DF18. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high growth sales leaders share high growth practices and tactics. Today we are joined by an architect of international sales success. Kyle Norton is the VP of Sales for League. League has led the digital transformation of employee benefits from the ground up. They've digitized the antiquated systems of the past and created a platform that allows companies everywhere to offer truly individualized health plans tailored to the unique needs of each member of the modern workforce. Kyle joined League with a sales team of zero. That's right, zero. He took a blank canvas and now has a team that's grounded in process and innovation, and they're growing faster each quarter. We're in for a fun ride today as we discuss how innovation can fuel growth. Kyle, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm excited. I'm excited to have you on board. For our listeners that we have here, why don't you take a second and let's introduce them to who League is and, and what you guys are doing over there. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, being process-based, so I'll read, uh, I'll read you what we're teaching the BDRs on, the, on their uh, cold call script. So... Uh, essentially league is a, it's an end to end platform for benefits, wellness, uh, and rewards as well. Uh, so both for employees to, to access and experience and HR teams as well. So we help centralize uh, a number of different offerings p- that people might have. So health insurance, commuting reimbursement, wellness programs. Uh, we bring that all together, uh, integrated into an organization's HRIS tool. Uh, so to make it way easier for an HR team to administer, you know, reduce the number of hours they're putting into it. And then for employees, we give them digital access to all these programs. So cool. uh, you can, you can imagine like an Apple wallet for rewards and benefits. So everything's in one place, really easy answers. And what it means for uh, the employer is they get more value because, you know, it's the second biggest line item for most companies. So now you get more value from that same spend and, and the magnitude could be like an 8x increase. Our, our net promotion score is about 800 times, uh, 800% higher than the uh, industry average. And uh, your employees get better health results. You know, they, they're healthier, they're living better lives, and you become a more attractive employer. I love it. You know, you're, you're taking something that quite often is a real challenge that people try not to talk about. You're giving them something exciting to talk about. It's, it's cool to see how you're transforming this thing and, and making it modern. I love it. Definitely. So you joined them a couple of years ago and uh, basically took a great idea and said, we're going to commercialize it. Talk to us a little bit about that journey when you've come in and, and took that blank canvas and now have something that's pretty exciting to talk about. 
Yeah, so I joined the company two years ago. We were about uh, 20 and change uh, at the at that point in terms of the company size. We're about 150, 160 employees now. Um, and there was a lot of really good concepts. There was the, the beginnings of a great product. Um, and my job was to help build the go-to-market system. So how did we... Uh, attract and, and evangelize this idea that health rewards and benefits should be done better. Uh, and we've sort of built things from the ground up. So the account executive organization, BDR, sales ops, uh, enablement, I had a unique advantage and uh, it's, it's sort of rare where I had quite a blank slate and at the same time, a bunch of money to work with. Uh, my founder, this is his third or fourth go around. He's one of the top guys in in North America, certainly a guy in Canada that everybody knows. So we we raised, I think it was uh, 33 million Canadian, so called 25 US as an A round. So there was the right investment in the sales infrastructure and marketing up front. So I, I definitely had unique advantages uh, to start, and you know, we've built everything through a lot of testing, iteration making a whole ton of mistakes and uh, getting better every quarter as we go. Awesome. I, uh, I, I can't wait to talk about this, what you did with this blank canvas and you're right. It's cool to have all the resources that you might want, but at the end of the day, let's call it what it is, Kyle. There's a lot of people that burn through a lot of resources and they don't create a success story. They just create a graveyard. And yeah. uh, you, you guys have not done that. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's a head turner. It's been fun to, to see all the things that you guys have done. So let's, let's dive into that. Let's not, um, let's not waste any time. I believe there's two kinds of sales teams, two kinds of salespeople. There are those that take what they want and then there are those that take what they can get. They kind of take what's left over. And you guys seems to me are absolutely not a take what you can get sales uh, team. You are one of those that are saying, we're going to go take what we want. We're going to go get the right customers, create killer experiences and, and turn them into long, long relationships. How have you done that? Um, we did it because we needed to. We, uh, <laughs> we were trying to scale sales quickly and uh, the inbound function just hadn't really scaled yet. We're starting to see that tip in the business as, as we've really uh, figured out the, the inbound puzzle in a, in a bigger way recently. But, um, you know, this is a space where people don't really want to make change. HR as a function tends to be risk management, making sure things are are documented and there's procedures. So it's it's not a, a sales profile that is prone to risk or prone to, to really new ideas. So it was us having a really needing to have a really tight understanding of what was important to HR leaders. How did we frame what we wanted to do to make sense for their objectives? And so our our pitch has taken a whole bunch of different turns over the course of two years. Um, and we're evangelizing a quite a new idea for people. And so, you know, you have to do all your sales fundamentals, really good discovery, shaping a, a, a great solution, but the difference selling what we sell and, and, you know, your, your reference to sort of taking what we can, um, you have to get people excited about something that they probably don't want to talk about. They would be just as happy to do what's happened for the last 
10, 15, 20 years in, in the benefits in HR space. And so we have to be, you know, great evangelizers and get people excited about a new vision. And part of that's that challenger mentality. Part of that is, is, uh, creating this aspirational, uh, vision of, of a better way. And All right, so, so, yeah, go well, ahead. No, you keep going. I want you to finish because you've said like three things that I've already jotted down that I can't wait to get into. So, but finish, finish where you are because you're cooking with gas right now, man. Yeah. And so th- what I was going to say was, um, you can tell the iterations that we've gone through in the decks. Like if you look at the deck we've used two years ago, it's embarrassing. You know, I, I want to hide that. I want to hide that forever, but yeah. uh, you know, you try a certain, certain go to market strategy in that lands sort of, but not with the right people. And then we try something new and then we went and interviewed a whole bunch of people. So it's just about staying close to your customers. I think that was one of the biggest uh, components for us is staying close to our customers and listening to the market. Okay, so this idea you talked about that you got to become this evangelist and, and you have this thing that nobody really wants to talk about it. They just want it to be in place and then move along is kind of mm-hmm. what I heard you say. Yeah. That has to create two challenges and, and, and I'd like to dive into them because for you, I have to imagine, A, it created a, t- a challenge in how do you get the attention of, of people mm-hmm. to actually talk to you. But B, I imagine it created a challenge on how do I get people to want to come join our sales team because if the customers don't want to talk about it, how do I get the reps to want to talk about it? I, I don't know which order you want to take those, but it's, it occurs to me that both of those things would have been challenges for you. Yeah. Um, on the, the recruiting side, it's a little bit easier, so I'll, I'll handle that one first. Okay. Um, most of the people that uh, were on my team in the early days were either – like direct references that have worked with me before people that I brought over from previous places or people that knew me through somebody else, or I, you know, I had a longstanding relationship with, or, I mean, there was enough people that were interested in just the the team. And if you don't have a whole ton of market traction to sell as the vision of why to join league, you, you basically just have to sell what you do have. And what we did have was, an amazing team solving a really complex challenge uh, in a market that needed to be disrupted. And so uh, I was pretty honest with people. It's like, yeah, we don't have a whole ton of revenue on the board right now, but you know, the people that are in the organization come from amazing backgrounds and you get to work for a C level team that's done this a bunch of times that you're going to learn a massive amount from. So you just have to sell the story that, you do have. And, and I think for everybody who's come through these doors, uh, whether or not they've done big revenue, uh, they're still going to walk away having worked, worked for some people that they're going to look up to for forever and learned a whole ton. So I think the recruiting piece was one, sell what you got and to, to candidates or, or to prospects. And then two, I just had to lean on my network and people who trusted me personally. And, um, that was a big piece of it. How important is that network in starting to gather people's attention? So you're building, you're, you've got to like this, this evolution. I, I'm always careful, like revolutions, people die and evolutions, mm-hmm. people grow, right? So you're helping evolve what's happening and, and you're building a market, not just necessarily solving problems that matter, but you're changing awareness. How, how, how hard was that to do and how important was like building this network? Because I think that's got to be a key component in how you capture attention, right? I mean, it's about getting people's attention, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and what we thought was going to grab people's attention at the, at the start was not really what 
we found worked. We thought that, okay, selling to HR people, we're, we're going to go talk about why this is so much better for the employee. You know, this is better for these reasons. We're going to make people healthier. And it was all very aspirational. And, and what we had to do is add enough to the, uh, to the positioning and to the, uh, to the message that this is great for employees and they're going to get better results. But it's also great for you for all of these reasons. And we had to pitch much more directly to the, to the HR champions that, that we worked with. And, you know, that's nothing new that you sell to your buyer and you have to, you have to get them personally invested in it. But that was, that was something that we needed to, to pivot on pretty early and pivot in terms of our messaging and as well the product. You know, we needed to invest more heavily in, uh, features that made the lives of HR team easier. Um, and so through the, the first, I would say nine to 12 months, we were out there trying to get deals, but just as importantly, we were trying to bring feedback to the, to the product team and to the rest of the organization. And, and so, and we were chugging along. So I started July, uh, of 2016. We got some deals in 2016, but nothing, nothing major. Um, you know, we launched a new product and then we're a different positioning and, 2017, we really sputtered until we made strategy changes. So we, we went from one insurance carrier to many. We went from, uh, a certain defined plan design to, to being more open architecture. And so it wasn't really that, oh, well, sales figured it out. We're so great. It was actually, you know, a huge team effort across product marketing, the executive, the strategy team to take the feedback that we were garnering from the market and, and, uh, making changes in a bunch of different areas of the company. Uh, definitely collaborative. Cool. All right. So as I look at this, then uh, it sounds like to me that a big part of the early success was gathering that market feedback and trying to get the product dialed. Was that an important part of the salespeople's job early on was to just get the market uh, say so on how, how you were doing? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so part of it was us gathering that feedback and sharing it with the organization. And then, uh, additionally, one of the most important things that we did in 2017 to, to make a fairly big step function change is my head of sales enablement and, uh, somebody from our marketing team, they went out and interviewed uh, almost 30 buyers that we had pitched, gotten to late stage that we lost deals with. And so they talked about our positioning, the product, uh, how, how clearly do they remember the messaging? Why didn't they buy? What was the sales, what was the sales approach like? And we learned a whole bunch. We validated some assumptions. There was also some, some surprises in that process. And we're just doing now, this is about a year and a bit later. We're just doing that process over again. We're so trying to go way up market. Yeah, that was my question. I was going to say, wow. So win-loss reviews are what helped you get your product where you want. So do you mm -hmm. still do win-loss reviews? Are you still doing win-loss assessments right now? Yep. So it, it happens semi-consistently out of the product organization, but now we're doing, you know, another really big initiative to go collect uh, more feedback again, because we've gone, so we've gone about uh, 20x up market. So our average deal size is about 20x this quarter than it was a year ago. And yeah, appreciate it. Um, and so we're trying to 
now double check some of our assumptions. You know, do we, we think that this is what a bigger company wants. We assume that this is how we're going to win deals, but uh, having a non salesperson, somebody coming, and this is going to be our, our PP of product marketing who's doing it. Somebody that is not trying to sell you anything, just interested in learning. Uh, we're going to get different feedback from that process. And, and because, you know, sales has a reputation. We want, we want a lot. Oh, we want this from product. We want that. We want uh, uh, the pricing to be different. And so uh, a lot of the time that feedback can be slanted. And this is a good way to get everybody to speak directly from the voice of the customer, take us and our, our own bias as salespeople out of the equation and, you know, get some, get some uh, really concrete feedback. And that's going to go to product, marketing, sales, the executive, the strategy team, like that, that feedback will go everywhere. I am so stoked you brought that up. There was a time that people, I used to hear people talking about win loss a lot, but I don't hear it near as much anymore. I think the pressure to sell and the immediacy of the now people are, are not looking at that as much. And I, mm-hmm. I, I get the impression it's almost like that old, you know, the whole kind of martial arts approach you slow down so you can speed up. If that makes sense. Yeah. So that's that's one of my favorite sayings. Really? It's an old it's an old jiu-jitsu saying. The Navy SEALs use it now as well. It's uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Yeah. So so is that is that still part of your DNA as a sales leader? Let's make sure that we're slowing down so we can go smooth, and then that'll make smooth go fast. Yeah, uh, and I would say. Uh, that was a mistake we made in our early ramp. We saw some early signs of success and we tried to hire too many reps too quickly and we weren't able to ramp other functions in the business. So we weren't able to ramp, uh, funnel generation quite, quite as quickly or the customer success organization. So, uh, we were all really eager and wanted to put our foot to the, to the floor, but, um, that was something that, that we would do differently if I went back again. And so now we're trying to, we're trying to maintain this approach. You know, we're still <laughs> trying to grow, like we're trying to almost double every quarter and we're trying to basically four to five X the business from 17 to 18. So I wouldn't say we're going slow, but we're trying no. to be methodical. But that's why the story is so great. You're not trying to go slow, but you're willing to take the right steps. That's, that's what's so cool about your story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the same thing is the same thing is mirrored in the actual sales process. We've added more steps, more uh, process, more more components to the sales process, which has elongated it in a lot of ways, but that's increasing our win rate and actually helping us go faster. So the same thing that's reflected in our, our business approach and our, in our sort of sales strategy approach is actually reflected in the sales cycle as well with, with a lot of success. So let's talk about that. Let's shift it. I could talk to you for a long time, but I, I know I got to keep this to a 25 to 30 minute conversation. Sure. Um, I, I, I'm really intrigued by how you've built process. You've dropped that word a few times. Uh, I get the impression that it's not just a buzzword for you. You actually have a process that you train to lead to coach to, how do you, how do you help your reps get started? You know, that that's the hardest part. You know, when you have full pipelines, the rest gets really easy. How do you help them fill that pipeline up and, and, and get opportunity starts? So I would say uh, the AE team is only generating about 20 to 25% of their own pipeline. So they're really relying on their, their BDR partner and the inbound engine. Um, and in my view, 
that's how it should be done. Uh, you, you want to drive specialization and everybody knows that seasoned account executives don't want to pick up the phone because they're out of practice and they don't want to get embarrassed. And it's just like, why, why try to, uh, make somebody change when it's going to be that frustrating. So, so the BDR organization is generating most of our, most of our pipeline or a lot of, a lot of our pipeline. You know, the reps are working referrals and references. Uh, but, uh, really I want the, the BDR team generating enough pipeline at our current win rates at our current velocity to, to, to give us enough to win. And I have an awesome guy. I have two awesome people that actually run the BDR group. And they're both very process oriented. They're good, good, um, uh, they're good complements to, to one another in terms of, you know, the, what they do well. And, and I rely on them in a lot of ways. And so, and I love the BDR world. So I get my, my hands in the mix as much as I can, but, um, they're also driving a lot of that. And, and the tight alignment is really important. The, the good thing is they're not just trying to chuck up meetings. We're yeah. all aligned to the revenue objectives and our win rates and what we need to go do. So it's, all right, we need to go get more senior first meetings. We need to stop uh, booking meetings with tier three and four accounts. And, and so uh, being receptive to the needs of the business, I think, has been important to, to get that team working well. So with this team that's, you know, I don't care if it's, if you're talking about the 75% that comes from the, the BDRs or the 25% that are self-sourced from the AEs, which I think is great that the AEs are still self-sourcing some. Um, there's gotta be some things that you found are helpful in helping you cut through the noise. I and mean, it's a cluttered space. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care what you're, what you're selling, Kyle. I mean, there are so many people calling and emailing and doing mm-hmm. things like that. Any, any things that you found have really helped your people cut through that noise? Yeah, I would say there's a, there's a few things for sure. So one, uh, we have a, a pretty well-defined process that we're constantly trying to improve upon and that all gets powered through sales loft. Uh, we really try to drive adoption, especially in the BDR team of that, of that tool of that process, because what's built into there is research, personalization, uh, some novelty. So we're making sure we're using all the tools at our disposal. So yes, we're calling. Yes, we're emailing, but we're also hitting them on LinkedIn and Twitter where possible. We're using Vidyard. Uh, so we're sending you know, personalized video outreach as a piece of the later sales cadence to our higher tier uh, accounts. That That's a bit of the novelty thing, but I think it all really starts with personalization and, and, you know, a proper hypothesis. If you approach the right companies that uh, are most likely to have a challenge that you can solve, prospecting will get a lot easier really fast. And so it's about that relationship between AE and BDR that they properly map the territory. They're closely aligned on who we're doing outreach to. And then we're going into those companies with, you know, good, uh, well thought out, outreach. Hey, I noticed that you guys have tripled in size in the last 12 months. Other companies like X, Y, and Z have also gone through a a similar growth trajectory. And here's why they've really gotten value from our platform. So you're talking about what I love to refer to and and maybe others. I love to refer to it as trigger-based prospecting. You're you're finding those triggers that would give them a reason to be relevant. Is Is that kind of what you're saying? Yep. Yeah, so both a trigger-based outreach and a hypothesis-based outreach. So even if there's not some really compelling event right now, I mean, if we know that they're – and I always joke, if I could scrape LinkedIn for all of the HR people that had 
culture, talent, people in their title that wore, that didn't wear a formal shirt, like wore a hoodie in their LinkedIn profile, like that's our buyer. Cause that's probably somebody <laughs> more, more innovative and, and it's a joke, but it's also, it's also very true, you know, and if we can approach those people you know, having done our homework and with a relevant reason to talk, they'll probably spend some time with us because they'll respect the, the effort that you've put in. You will stand out because everybody, like I get spammed by so much crap and, uh, you know, if it makes sense for their business, hey, you just acquired this company. This is how we make that easier for you. Hey, you, uh, you say you have a really competitive benefits plan. If you do, then you should definitely talk to us. So if, as long as it's researched and if it's trigger-based, even better, if there's a compelling reason why now. So I love it. No, you're good. I, I want to go back on one thing that you mentioned because it, I'm intrigued by it. I'm seeing a lot more of it. You're the first one on the show to talk about it, though, so I, I want to – look at it for a second. You're talking about video and I'm, I'm a fan of video. Uh, we're, we're seeing it work in our organization. Uh, you're mm-hmm. the first of our, of our guests that have been on the show that brought that up as something that was helpful. Could you just kind of share where, where do you see video? Is it early in cycle, late in cycle? Does it matter how, what kind of customer it is? How, how, how have you found video as a best practice for prospecting? Yeah, there's a few different areas where it, where it fits. So certainly in the prospecting outreach, it'll help you cut through that noise. If you have a thumbnail image with my name on a whiteboard and some BDR's smiling face, I'll probably click on it. And, and like I've been on, uh, I've done webinars about video and I've, I've always said like, if you send me a video, I'll answer you. And I still have gotten maybe two. So I thought that this was going to be something that was just prevalent everywhere really fast, but there's still, uh, you know, a really big opportunity for novelty and, and novelty to, or, or ability to stick out and differentiate, Like you'll get clicks. And then if you can be properly researched and say something compelling in a short amount of time, you'll, you'll have great reply rates. And the amount of, the amount of emails that my team shares in their BDR Slack channel of, uh, like they'll, they'll screenshot the little email reply. It's like, Oh, I never respond to these emails, but I just thought that was so interesting. Like I'm happy to take a call. Like we get those every week. And so from that perspective, it's an easy win. But then later into a deal cycle, I have some account executives who will film, you know, little mini demos so that people can share them internally or, uh, proposal recaps. One of my guys in Chicago does a really good job with this. So, um, it's as you can get as creative as, as you can think, but it is a, it is a channel that is still different. Like when, when social selling was first big, I remember it's like, you just got like 80% reply rate on LinkedIn. It was crazy. And now you get, now you get a whole bunch of junk, but video is there. So if you're going to think about video, do it now before everybody else gets there uh, because eventually it won't be as useful. It's funny that you say that, Kyle, because it's true. I get hit with calls and emails more times than I can count every single day uh, here at Exfoliant, but I don't get hit with video. I don't. You're right. And so yeah. so you see it work both early in the process for specific reasons, but also later to try and do things. It just depends on if you are purpose-driven. You find it work both ways, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, anytime you want to communicate something that might be a little bit more complex and you, it's going to start getting really, really overly detailed in a, in an email, then hop on, film a quick video. You can, you're screen sharing your proposal walkthrough that your prospect can share with their colleague or their finance person. If they refuse to get on a meeting with you, um, 
So there's a bunch of different ways. You know, we use it for, we use it for our ABM outreach. That's another really uh, key place. Anywhere you want a differentiation. Cool. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that for a second. I, I appreciate, I appreciate that. As, as you look, I know we're starting to run out of time. I can't believe that we're already, we're already coming up on it. I love, as I've learned about you and listened to you now, I, I've kind of written down three things. You've talked about process. Uh, you've talked a little bit about technology. Um, but one of the things that really has screamed at me as, as we've talked outside of this and as I've learned a little bit about you, uh, you've got a team that likes that, you know, you, you expect them to work hard too. That, that whole work ethic thing is mm-hmm. important for what you built. How, how do you balance those three process technology and work ethic? How, how does that work? Yeah, I would say that all three of those things reinforce one another. Um, if you're going to demand a high work rate and, you know, we're trying to do something that's really big. Like we're trying to reinvent a really stagnant old, uh, industry that's rooted in status quo. You're not going to be able to do that work in nine to five. And, right. And like I love what I do. I love selling. I love our mission. I love the people at the company. And so it's easy to get up in the morning and go, but it's also a necessity. And so, uh, if you want to, if you want to ask for a high work rate, then you got to make things easy for people. You have to have process that helps accelerate their sales funnel and lets you be really effective as a manager to help, help your people. And if you're designing process for the sake of process, for the sake of oversight, you're doing it wrong. You, mm-hmm. you know, your process should be all about, uh, making things easier for people and, and, uh, reducing, uh, effort in the sales cycle. And, you know, technology supports that so that you can have something to take notes easier and have a, a, a more interesting channel to communicate through video and using something like Vidyard or Sales Loft. Okay, here's the cadence. You want to go prospect? Here's the master fire, hot fire cadence or whatever the guys are calling it right now. Um, you know, just pick the contacts you want, load them in and go. So, so they should all reinforce one another. And if you, the other thing I'll say about work ethic is you have to create an environment where it's fun. Like you have to create an environment where it's not the cliched work hard, play hard, like we're going to grind and then just go out and drink. Yeah. I don't think that's super conducive to building high performance teams. You know, <laughs> you have to, uh, you have to, as a sales leader, uh, have that servant leadership mentality and really support your reps and fight for them and do, uh, do what you can to give them the best chance to succeed and, celebrate wins, ask for teamwork and collaboration and go out of your way as a sales leader to, to, you know, get on a plane and go to a meeting with somebody, even if it's only one, you know, one meeting across the, across the country, like, you know, just do it. And if you can create that environment and you're putting in more than you're asking for then yeah, I think, I think you can create an environment where people are willing to, to put in the, put in the time. Man, your story is so cool. It's just screams of innovation to me. You, you know, you, you've innovated in every part because you had a blank slate. You didn't have to come change things. You just, you built it from scratch, but you've also kept it current. Um, as you look back over the two years or so that you've been there, Kyle, what would you say is the biggest challenge you've had to face? Um, I mean, the strength of status quo in the marketplace is, is the one thing that we're constantly fighting against. Um, I would say one of the other big challenges is, is this, is because it was – of a blank slate you had to try we had to try a whole bunch of things like our original assumption was we were going to sell an smb product it was going to be high velocity transactional 
uh, and that was going to be our, our go to market. And then we started realizing, oh, actually, these smaller companies don't care about this challenge as much as we thought. So we have to go way up market and then we have to re- redo the process and re- rejig our messaging. And so just the fact that there was so many different things that we could possibly be testing and uh, doing differently, sometimes that can feel that can feel daunting or that can feel like it's uh, you don't know where to start. And that's where the the customer interviews was really helpful. And, and the one, one thing I will say as well is, you know, I, I do believe a lot in process and what I might do differently is actually have a little less process up front, hmm. uh, build, build the pros, like give structure, but give potentially a little bit more room to, to fail, give more, uh, room for people to try a different approach or a, go to a different buyer or a different, uh, different account type. Uh, because if maybe we had more people doing different things, the, that would have accelerated our, our, uh, that would have accelerated how fast we found answers. Love it. Um, yeah. So I, I always balance is key. You know, process is important, but testing is important. So I might do that a little differently now. This has been outstanding. I think we're going to have a ton of listeners who are going to be really interested in to get more of what you got. I I appreciate you taking a little bit of time. I'm going to finish the way I finish every single episode. And I can't believe that we went over time. So for, you know, to you, thank you to the listeners. You're thanking me because it's been so good. Um, one of the common themes, Kyle, that every one of our, our guests has had, because every one of you is, is a high-growth leader. You're beating the market. You're taking what the market gives and then some. One of the things that seems to define every single person that's been on the show is this thirst for want to learn, want to get better, want to find out what's next. You know, you know we, we fear the status quo, right? We abhor it. One of the ways yeah. that everybody does that is, is we're finding a lot of people are reading, and, and that library on our website of high-growth sales books is becoming really big really fast. What would you add to it? Who, in terms of book recommendations? Yeah. Um, so there's a bunch of classics. I mean, Challenger and Challenger Customer, I definitely think are, are really yeah. good places to start. Yep. Uh, Mark Roberge's book, Sales Acceleration Formula, changed the way that I look at a lot of, a lot of things. Um, I mean, there's like Those are good great to great. Ones. Yeah, good to great. Um, how to win friends. Like there's, there's a bunch of those classics that I think people sometimes forget about. Um, and then one, so one, I'll give you one that maybe people don't have on the list so much. It's, uh, thinking fast and slow by Daniel Kahneman. And wow. so he's a Nobel prize winning, um, psychologist slash, uh, behavioral economic uh, economist. He's got, he's got a really different and interesting background, but it, his book talks about, why we think the way that we do and why we make certain mistakes. And, um, and it's really, really fascinating. And then there's a whole bunch of books that basically have copied what he wrote. Um, but he's, he's like, he's the real deal. And I think that was really formative to, for me looking at how our buyers think, how I think where I'm making mistakes, how to check myself and, and same thing with all of the, the rest of the team. So I'd say that's a, an awesome one. It's thick, but it's good. Great recommendations. Some of them we've got, but we'll put your name on them as well, and and we'll add a couple of these other ones. This has been great. Kyle, I, I really appreciate you you coming and spend, sharing some of your insights with our group uh, today. This has been fantastic. If they want to get more uh, from Kyle Norton, if they want to get more 
about league? How do they do it? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, if you add me, I'll add you back. And uh, Twitter, I'm not on there a whole ton, but uh, my Twitter is at Kyle C. Nortron, uh, N-O-R-T-R-O-N. Awesome. Hey, he caught us well. He's experienced. He doesn't just say it. He lives it. Uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And this guy's got some smooth processes and approach. And as a result, his company is doubling and tripling quarter over quarter. And he's not doing it by accident. It's happening on purpose. Kyle, thank you so much for spending some time with us and happy selling. Thanks a lot, Rob. Appreciate it. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation matter? I hope you loved Kyle. I hope you found his story super interesting. It is not often we can find someone to come that, that's, that got the blank slate. First one in, built this organization from scratch and has gone the distance and done it in style. I hope you caught that he said, we are trying to double the company every quarter, which is great given the, the saying that he went to where he said, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And he chuckled and said, it's not like we're trying to go slow, we're doubling, but we are doing things to make sure that as we do it right, it ultimately throws gas on the fire. Now, there's four things that jumped out at me, and I want to start before I get into the four with that concept that I brought up. I believe there's two kinds of organizations, those that take what they want and those that take what they can get. The reason I'm going here is he mentioned that this is a predominantly outbound uh, sales play. It's starting to see a little inbound, but I love it because I believe that if you don't know which one you are, take what you want or take what you can get, you're most likely take what you can get. Inbound, by definition, is take what you can get. Uh, salespeople prefer to have those inbound leads, but I'm telling you, the most successful salespeople, they know exactly the kind of customers they want, and they freaking go get them. So I hope that today you take another step closer to becoming a take-what-you-want sales organization, and we follow Kyle's four steps that jumped out at me. And number one is become a world-class evangelist. He talked about being an evangelist several times, and Really, it was because he was in an industry that needed disrupting, but it was something they weren't thinking about. Status quo had been fine for years. People think they have bigger fish to fry. But because they knew they had something worth talking about, it changed how they discover. It made it so that they were really, really on high alert for finding uh, the key points that would make it so this was a conversation worth having. Because at the end of the day, the, the discovery process doesn't put you in alignment on the problems they want solved or the results that they need achieved. You're going to be in trouble. But I also like how I mentioned this evangelist approach really made it so they were hyper-focused on this, what I call dollarization, where, you know, what's the payday on, on changing the status quo and creating excitement around it? So as an evangelist, they're evangelizing and trying to create excitement with these other people as they think about something they've never thought about and say, man, imagine if we did this because it's going to create uh, benefits for us in ways we never thought. Now that takes us to number two. He talked about staying close to customers. I loved one of the things he said. He said, what captured the attention of our customers is different than we expected. That doesn't surprise me. And I think that most of the time we don't realize how many times we're going to have to iterate before we start to get connected. And then when we do get connected, we got to keep iterating because markets change. The two words I wrote down was innovate and iterate. Innovate and iterate. 
There are at least seven things he talked about innovating and iterating. And I think the iteration process is just as important as the innovation process. The minute we say we're done, we are. We're finished. Put a fork in us. These seven things are things he talked about with some level of detail that you can go back and check out. They had to innovate and innovate their product, their messaging, their process and or go-to-market strategy, how they target, how they prospect, how they personalize. And the last one that he talked about was even how they follow up. They have to find better, 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 and newer, newer, newer ways to do this. And if we don't do that, we're going to get out of sync with our customers. And in fact, we may never get there in the first place, which is why I like number three so much. He talked about learning from losses. And this is something that I haven't heard anybody talk about on the show yet. Um, there was a time several years ago that win-loss reviews were really, really popular and everybody was doing them. I don't hear him talked about as much anymore. And I've, I've kind of scratched my head wondering why. Um, he talked about how doing loss reviews not only helped them get off the ground, but loss reviews are what keep them in, uh, aligned with the market moving forward. Now, I don't know why we don't do as much. There's a company that I recently became acquainted with. They don't even know I'm giving them a plug today. It's called Closed, C-L-O-Z-D dot com. And uh, I think they're doing some really interesting things in helping companies learn from losses, wins versus losses, and what's the variance that's the, that, that helps you understand what needs to change. I would advise to not forget about the power of loss reviews, which takes to the last one. He talked about creating a culture of, of hard work ethic. And he made another killer statement. I mean, Kyle was filled with great statements. He said, Hey, if you're going to try and disrupt the market and have people do things in a way they've never done it, that takes effort. They don't just choose to do that. And if we're going to have an environment where it's a high work ethic, there's at least three things we have to do. We have to really equip them and enable them so we can, we can do more with what we have. But I thought the last two were maybe more important. It's got to be fun. It's got to be something that we have this mission mentality that we're all in it together. But since this is the Sales Leadership Podcast, we're going to finish with this one. They got to know you're there for them. You know, they got, you got to do something, even if it's just to help them win just the one deal. I, he talked about having their back and being there for them, even if it was like getting on a flight just for one deal. I, I thought it was awesome. I hope that you found Kyle's story killer. I hope you leave today saying, you know, I can go slow as smooth, smooth as fast. His version of that, for instance, I added experiences to the sales process, and it makes it look like we're slowing it down. But ultimately, it improved our win rate and shortened our cycle time. That's what you'll find as you innovate and iterate throughout the process. I appreciate the great feedback on the show. I'm appreciative of the thousands of people that are now downloading and listening. And keep those great reviews coming. If you like what you're hearing, please, please, please give us a positive comment uh, on the reviews and share it with your friends. Uh, if you've got other guests you'd like to hear from, let us know who they are. If you want to be on the show, we'd love to meet you. Now, as always... I hope you leave today saying, I got ideas how I can execute dif differently and better. And I'll finish the same way as always. Don't worry. Just execute. Because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast. Your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit, the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. You can visit Exploit at exvoyant.com.